Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I just want to remind everyone, the first book in my Devlin Legacy series, Devil's Mountain, is only 99 cents. Devlin Legacy is a four-book paranormal series about a family of sexy Irish witches, so please check that out. All the information about Devil's Mountain is on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. So tonight, I'm so pleased to introduce Sarah Anderson. Sarah writes contemporary Western romance with a kick. Her work has been published by Sam Hine and Harlequin, and her titles include Mystic Cowboy and A Man of His Word. So welcome, Sarah, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. How are you this evening? I am doing well. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Kind of sad that the summer is winding down. I can't believe it's August already, but uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm surviving. We what, registered. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We registered my son for school uh, yesterday, so yeah, the end of summer is fast approaching. I know. I know. It's so depressing. It really is. But um, what part of the country do you live in? I live in Illinois. So if you think of Illinois as being pregnant, I live in a town that's the belly button. <laughs> well, I live on I live on Long Island, and it has been a really, uh, you know, it, it just has not felt like summer yet. I don't know why. I'm still waiting for it to, it's been kind of cool, but yes. anyway, and I'm kind of winding down my summer interviews. You're my second to last interview. My My final summer interview is with, um, Karina Lawson, and she's. I'm going to be oh, yes. August 13th. Do you know her? She's a lot of fun. Oh, okay, good, 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 good. I'm very excited. And then I'm taking a little bit of a break, and then I, I guess it'll be September. Back to school and back to the show. So maybe Sarah, you can tell us a little bit about your writing journey. How long have you been writing professionally? Uh, well, I started writing when my son started sleeping through the night. He was two and a half, and he is nine now. <laughs> so I've been working at this for almost seven years, and uh, I've been published since 2011, which I'm pretty sure is about three years now. Math is I a, think so. <laughs> a, yeah, <laughs> I think that's right. So I've um, been published for almost three years now and uh, have published uh, my 10th book just came out this month and I have three more that are going to come out in September October and November so it's been a it's going to be a very busy fall for me yeah it sounds like it it sounds like it now all of your books are published by Sam Hine and um, Harlequin now do you have you self-published any any titles I did I self-published because I had too much free time I self-published a book in May called nobody and it was a it was it was a book that I really wanted to write for myself. So it was continuing the series that I'd started with Sam Hain, but I wanted to do that one on my own. And so I did that one on my on my own, complete ownership of that one. But I am published with Harlequin Desire, and I just had my first super romance with Harlequin come out as well. So I'm all, kind of all over the place. Yeah, well, you know, you see more and more authors being what they call hybrids, right? So many. Yeah. People are still working with traditional publishers, but they're also going out on their own. And I think for a lot of reasons, 
that you said. It was a book maybe that wouldn't fit with a publisher or one you just wanted to write for yourself and you wanted the freedom to write what you wanted to write. So, you know, a lot of people exactly. are doing that. In fact, I am in the process of self, uh, self-publishing my a title that I got the rights back to. And oh. it's, yeah, it's, so it's, it's, it's actually, I'm very, um, I'm very, uh, I'm a bit of a computer idiot, and so I didn't <laughs> want to try and, you know, upload it myself, so I, I'm paying someone to do that for me, and they're doing the, t- the cover as well, but I'm hoping to, to get that at, launched in September, so I'm, I'm really very, very excited about it, but, and I have I think five titles, key, I'm sorry? Yeah, I think, I think the key to self-publishing is to know what you can and can't do. So if you know you can't do the uploading, it's it's real easy to hire that part out, you know, piecemeal. So I, I was able to do uh, some of the uploading. I had a friend who did my cover, that sort of thing. You know, I was able to handle it. If you know you can't handle it, it's it's not worth the time to figure it out, really. Yeah, yeah. And this is, you know, I work full time, so there were just other things I'd rather do. I had my radio show, so I just had no interest. And so many of my friends, my writer friends, were like, it's really easy. Like, why would you pay someone to do that? And I'm like, you know what? I want it done, and I want it done right. So, so I'm very, Time very is money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, so that's so I'm I'm dipping my toe into the self-publishing, the indie world. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Now, for your in, uh, for your title, did you did you do KDP, or did you just offer it on um, Amazon, or have you offered it in other It's it's up it's up in five different places. I did not go exclusive with KDP. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Google iBooks, and ARE, uh, All Romance Ebook Cafe, and uh, Kobo as well. So I put it up as many places as I could reasonably figure out. <laughs> I'm sure I've missed places. <laughs> but um, I put it up there and I found that uh, all romance cafe, all romance ebooks, uh, ARE, when it's 99 cents, it sells really well there. And so I was really pleased with that because you wouldn't think that that would be, you know, in the same scale as Amazon or Barnes and Noble. But for me, it was. Oh wow, that's inter- That is interesting. That is interesting. And did you do anything special there, in terms of promoting, or you just threw uh, it just up there? the stuff I just. Just the stuff I do for all my books, you know, I try to schedule blogs and interviews and I, I make uh, Lego book trailers out of my son's many, many, many Legos. And so, you know, those are the kinds of things that I'll have pop up. Right now I have I have a book that came out on Tuesday, Rodeo Dream, and today I had an interview with a female book writer, a female bull writer, because that's the heroine of my book, a female bull writer, and I also had the Lego book trailer go up as well on a different blog, so it was kind of all over the place today. Wow, that's funny. And now you're here. That's very exciting. No, well, maybe you could talk about why why Western romance. What what brought you know what attracted you to cowboys? And are all your books do they all feature cowboys? Well, that's a really good question. Um, when I was young, I was really fascinated with the Native American cultures, uh, you know, American Indians, and uh, I really also like most girls. I really liked horses. And my parents were history teachers, and they found a way to combine that. They found uh, the Lakota Sioux tribes, the Western Plains, were really big horse people. And so we would learn as much as we could about those tribes and their history, and then I got to do horses and Indians. Uh, When I got older, I kind of moved away from it. 
and I actually have a master's degree in the Victorian novel. So that was more Austen and Bronte and, the, and uh, you know, Dickens. Those were the books that I was reading for a very long time. When I started writing, I was writing what I thought was women's literary fiction with strong romantic elements, a sweeping family saga. Oh, it was terrible. It was, it was really bad. <laughs> but eventually, the granddaughter of that book, uh, she didn't want to stay, you know, she was irritated with everyone. She wanted to leave the family behind, and so she went west. And she ran into a cowboy who was also an Indian. And everybody who had been suffering through those first early terrible books of mine, they're like, hey, this one's good. <laughs> wow, we liked it. <laughs> and I had fun writing it. And so it just kind of built from there that like, I like cowboys who are also Indians. And it, was, it really just does go back to a childhood that I had that I'd sort of forgotten. And so... Not all of them are cowboys and Indians, uh, especially the desires, because desires, Harlequin desires, they want, uh, they want the rich, powerful alpha hero who has a multi-million dollar business, and, and it's really hard to make every single one of those characters a Native American one way or the other. So those, those yeah. tend to run about, yeah, it's really hard. They tend to run about 50%, and they tend to have more Native American heroines who are not as wealthy and powerful with their own businesses. Um, in the upcoming series that starts in September, October, and November, the October book uh, is, is uh, the brother of the – they run their own brewing company, and it's a brother, and he actually does the horse end of the business, and he hires a horse trainer who is half Native American. So that's kind of how I sneak it in under the wire. My uh, mm-hmm. other books, though, do tend to be much more cowboys and Indians instead of wealthy businessmen and maybe an Indian. So the book that came out on Tuesday, Rodeo Dreams, is about two bull riders. And she is a full-blooded American Indian um, who wants to ride bulls. And he is a, a bull riding star who was in a really bad wreck three years ago, and he's clawing his way back up. And so they have a real battle of the wills because they're both very good at what they do. They both ride bulls really well, but they have completely different opinions on how and why they should. <laughs> And so how much romance I mean, how, how much research do you do? I know that you had that interest as a child, but you must have to because I'm assuming you're not um I don't know maybe you are Native American, but um and I assume that you're not a cowboy. So so it's not really drawn from your own personal life. How much how much research do you need to do? Well, the, you know, there was a there's a lot of, there was a strong basis of knowledge that I'm building off of. Because in addition to having crazy parents who took us out west to the Battle of the Little Bighorn Memorial instead of Disney World, um, I also groomed horses for a, a woman for, for nine years, for my teenage years. I mean, I was a working horsewoman. So that sort, oh, okay. of, uh, yeah, that sort of information is there. there, which is not to say I don't occasionally have to go, now, how do you saddle a horse again? And I go look it up online. Oh, yeah, I remember. That's what you call that thing. <laughs> Um, but I do have a, a basis of knowledge that I just have to remember sometimes. But I ask a lot of questions. I've gone to bull riding events and wound up sitting with the stock contractor's wife as she walks me through the entire bull riding process, you know, how they, what they do with the bulls, how they deal with them, you know, what her husband used to be a bull rider. He answered all my questions. So that sort of thing, whether it's, you know, as a cowboy, I could, I've never rode, ridden a bull. I'm never going to ride a bull. <laughs> It's not happening. <laughs> but um, and, and you're right. I'm actually I'm not Native American. We all have maybe a, a relative way in the past, whatever. 
But, um, you know, uh, that's why I like to write a lot of interracial because you should write what you know, and what I know is clueless white person. So, um, I, but again, I ask questions. I, I find I have contacts who are, you know, tribal members, and I have people who have helped me with translations. I've included uh, the Lakota language when it's appropriate. And so, you know, it's, it's all about asking questions, checking your facts, and making sure your sources are on target. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so much of it is still building your own world, too. So, mm -hmm. you know, as much as you do research, the, you still have to make those characters alive. And, you know, it, there's not too many cowboy experts out there, so you probably can get away with kind of maybe glossing over certain things. You know, you don't want, you're not writing an yeah. encyclopedia uh, about cowboys, right? You're writing a love story and it's, you know, featuring cowboys. So, you know, I as always... Long as it's, yeah, as long as it's realistic, it doesn't have to be precise. It just has to be right. appropriate. And that's that's all I achieve, aspire to. Right, right. But it is, and it's amazing how much people who are have a certain niche knowledge love to be asked about that and, and love to tell you about it because my my book, The Devil and Legacy, which is about a family of Irish witches, although I'm Irish and some people may say I'm witchy, <laughs> I'm not technically a witch. And I really didn't know anything about witches. Um I just you know, I, I, I just I, I went on the internet and I found out that there was something called the New York Witches Festival around October and it was like ten minutes from my house. So I dragged oh, wow. my sister there. Yeah, it was wild. So I dragged my sister there, and I really didn't know what to expect. And it was wild. They were real witches, and they were very serious about it, but they were also very, very welcoming. And I actually ran into a woman who was also, uh, was a romance writer and a witch, and I kind of oh, wow. broke up. Yeah, I, I, I kept in touch with her, and I actually interviewed her on my show at one point. And she gave me some free books, and... You know, it gave me a working knowledge of something to 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 build my world on, but I'm certainly not a witch expert, and I created my own world. You know, I, I sprinkled mm -hmm. little things that I learned, but people are not buying my books because they want to learn about, you know, the mechanics of being a witch. It's more exactly. this is a part of my character, you know. So mm -hmm. it's it's... It's amazing how how generous people are with their time because they're passionate about their interests, and I'm sure it's the same with people that you've been interviewing. Um, yeah. And so you know, it helps it helps writers like us who need a little bit more information. So I find as long as you come at it with you know respect and honesty, that people are very sharing. So that's the key for me. Yeah. So now, in terms of your writing process, are most of your books, what length are they? Are they novella? Are they full length? And, and maybe you could talk about some of the mechanics, like do you write from the first person, the third person? Do you mix it up? Um, well, most of the desires are 50 to 55,000 words, which is about 200 pages. Uh, and those are the short ones that I do. I'm trying my hand at a couple of novellas, but it's a different skill set. Everything happens faster. So the desires are 50 to 55, and the super romance was, uh, was, was 80 to 85. The, the, uh, the self-published book was actually 93, and that was very long for me. Um, but so th the process for me is I write a really long synopsis. My, my desire editor really likes detailed synopsis. So I write a very long synopsis. It's like 20 pages long, and it's 
you know, so it is planning, planning out the whole book and getting the emotions and the backstory down. And if it all goes well, then the book just really flows because I've already done all the thinking about it. It's already all there. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other part of your question? So do you write from the first person as the third person? Ah, yes, I forgot the person. I, I, do, I do very deep third-person point of view. Um, and it's, it's where I, I switch. I, I don't head hop. I'm usually it's one chapter at a time for the character, so I'll be in one, cha- one character's head for the first chapter, and then the next chapter I'll be in the other character's head. And I, I usually do include, um, you know, because the desires are only 200 pages. I don't have a whole lot of time for, uh, you know, festive stuff. But I usually have, you know, two sex scenes because I want to show how the character changes from each character's point of view. So it's a very deep third person. I haven't, I haven't succeeded in first person yet. I've given it a couple of tries, but it's been rough. <laughs> well, you know, I think you find your comfort zone. Like, I only write in the first person. And part of the reason, and, you know, you talked about your, your horrible first novel. My, my horrible first novel, I was actually able to fix and turn into a decent novel, and, and that's actually the first book that was published with Kensington, which is Gold Coast Wives. And, Congratulations. But, yeah, thank you. That was, I think that was released in 2011. But... But the first, you know, the first draft of it, or at least the first 50 pages that I attempted was horrendous. And it was because I was trying to write from the third person. But I'm a lawyer, and my comfort zone (laughs) is to write like legalese, right? So those 50 pages Mm -hmm. sounded like, you know, like a contract. It was just not not very sexy. And I think I had (laughs) to... Yeah, yeah. So in order to kind of overcome that, you know, legalistic type writing... I had to get closer to the character, and so I was able, like, almost to be the character as I'm writing it, and the only way I was able to do that was first person. I would love, though, now that I've written a couple of books, and I've kind of gotten over that, you know, legalese stuff, at least I hope I have, but I'd love to write in the third person, but, you know, I can't. It's now so comfortable for me to write in the first person, so, you know, know, whatever works for you. Now, in terms of your... um, you're writing how you, how you learn to write. Are you part of a RWA or do you belong to a writer's group? I mean, how did, how did you learn the mechanics of writing? Well, I, I read a lot. I mean, again, I have that degree in the Victorian novel, so I had spent a lot of time studying novel structure. And every time I had attempted to write something, I, I got bogged down in backstory. And so it took me three novels to work through the amount of backstory that was appropriate instead of yeah. not awfully soul-sucking. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, as for the, I did join RWA, but I'm kind of in the middle of nowhere. I'm a good three hours from any nearby chapter. So I'm a satellite, long-distance chapter member of the Chicago North RWA, which is actually six hours away, but I used to live in Chicago. Um, so I, I visit with them. They have a big conference uh, called Spring Spring. Spring Fling, which happens every two years. We just had it this spring. And it's a really great conference. And so their members were very warm and welcoming, and, and I learned a lot from them. But otherwise, it was just, you know, I wrote a book. It sucked. I wrote another book. It sucked slightly less. I thought, oh, I did something good there. I wrote another book. It got even better. So for me, uh, learning was doing, and that was the that was the way that I got better and hopefully continue to get better. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you? Who did you publish with first? Was it Harlequin or a Samhain? 
Harlequin first. And what was really funny was the bull riding book that just came out uh, this week was that's a, that was a book I wrote almost six years ago. And um, after I was first published with Harlequin Desire, I went back, I had some time in between books, and I thought, I really want to save that book. I really loved that story and those characters. And so I went back and I dug up all the rejections I had gotten from it, uh, I guess three years ago now, and discovered that the editor who bought me for Desire was the first person to reject that book. And I had forgotten all about it. And so I was I was tweeting to her about it. I was like, oh, hey, I found that book. Ha, ha, ha. She goes, did you fix it? <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it. She goes, I want it back. I'm like, oh, okay. So that was a very – it still took another two years of revisions because it was an older book, and I had to – I'd grown a lot as a writer since then. But I did – she published – she signed me. She rejected me first and signed me later and, and has continued to buy books for me. And so I send her a very nice Christmas present every year. <laughs> So did you have an agent, or did you pull, did you submit directly to Harlequin? Um, it was kind of a tricky situation. I was working with an agent, but our personalities didn't really mesh, and so we had actually parted ways, and my editor, I didn't realize that my editor had the manuscript, and she only agreed to look at it because she remembered reading this previous book that she had rejected that she kind of liked. And so... Um, I was unagented for about a year of my desired career, but then I did sign with a different agent who had been working with me on, on single title books that were you know, outside of the Harlequin Desire world. And so that's, that's where I've been for the last three years almost, almost three years. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the heat level of your books, where would you put them? Uh, I, 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 I own being vanilla. I'm a very vanilla person. There's, you know, no shifting four ways in my book. Um, <laughs> that's not the kind of stuff I write. But I like to think that uh, the heat level for, you know, monogamous vanilla relationships is pretty hot, actually. I've had people tell me that they've been surprised by the heat level and the desires. So I like to say that, you know, I'm maybe three and a half, four chili peppers out of five, Some, you know, if you're going to put it on a scale, um, which is as, as spicy as I can get it in the desire world. <laughs> right, right. Well, is that because Harlequin only, that that um, imprint in Harlequin doesn't like to go that hot, or is it because you prefer not to write that hot? Uh, well, I think it's a little bit of both. I think Harlequin is more concerned, I mean, in a desire you have a very limited amount of time you know you have a short thing and they really they want one man one woman and everybody's getting married at the end and maybe having a baby and so those are kind of the guidelines you're working with however you get there is your own you know your own journey but they don't really do they're they don't do you know like i'm seeing two guys at the same time and then things got weird one night uh so it's a it's a monogamous setup (laughs) but that is also where i'm really very comfortable um I, so it really works out well. I, I, I found a really good home there. And, um, yeah, no, it's yeah, – I think you have to find a heat level. My first book, Gold Coast Wives, was – there was one very, very sad little sex scene in it originally. <laughs> and my editor at the time, she's like, you know, you your book's so funny. I like it because it's, it's a light, humorous, like, fluffy kind of contemporary romance. 
And she's like, but we have to put something in. Like, they have to at least touch. You have to do something here. So I, you know, begrudgingly put a couple of sex scenes in there, but they were beyond vanilla. Like, it was kiss and close the door, barely, you know, like barely kiss. But I think I used the word nipple once or twice, but that was about it. And my second book was really, uh, and that's the book I I just got the rights back to, and it's going to be out next week called The Girls on Rose Hill, that was, a, you know, there was a romantic element, but it was really more women's fiction, like generation of story, you know, three generations mm-hmm. of women, kind of their story. So I didn't have to do too much sex. And then I started writing another, what was supposed to be women's fiction, a generation of women stories. And I made one of the characters be, um, think she was, she was supposed to be schizophrenic and she thought she was a witch. And instead I made it actually be a paranormal and I had mm-hmm. sex scenes and I don't know what it was but like each book got hotter and hotter and maybe it was because I was writing about people who weren't necessarily really people right they were almost otherworldly beings and I could yeah. in that sense the characters were so different for me I was able to kind of let loose but I never thought I'd be able to write a sex scene but now like my last book I had to really you know I was like, no, this is going too far. <laughs> I have to bring it back. So <laughs> it can be like very. I never thought, like I said, I'm I'm a uptight, you know, Catholic, nice Catholic girl, and I never thought I'd I'd be able to write sex scenes. So it it can get a little addictive, but yeah, um, you know. Well, I think for desire, the 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 other thing is it's not so much the heat level. Although the one time my editor requested maybe oral sex here, I was stunned. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> um, the thing for desire is that they they also they know their readership and what their readership likes, and so there's a much tighter control on language. You know, you can't drop yeah. F-bombs randomly, especially not in a sex scene. So, you know, it's a fine line between, you know, using anatomy terms and also, you know, going with the velvet-covered rod of love or whatever. You know, you don't want to cross either of those lines, but it's a very narrow, very narrow space to exist where you can be erotic without being, you know, over the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe you could um, talk a little bit about your, your heroes. I, I think you'd said some of your heroes are those, you know, the billionaire, which were very popular, I guess, after the Fifty Shades, right? Everyone was writing billionaires. Yeah. But you also write about cowboys, who are also kind of alphas, I would imagine. So are, are most of your heroine, heroes very alpha, you know, rough and tough kind of guys? Well, I think I, the desires pretty much have to be. That's that's their, their requirement. They have to be alphas. And the cowboys are often very wealthy as well. They own a lot of land. They have a major operation. And so they're very they're very well-off cowboys. They're not scraping by. The books that I've published with Samhain and the book that just came out with Super Romances are different because those are not businessmen heroes. Those are the true cowboys who are 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 you know out working with their hands every day doing doing you know physical manual labor um i've had readers tell me that the the men of the white sandy series which is uh, the two campaign books and then nobody that i self published um that those are really alpha beta heroes they're 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 really they're borderline beta heroes and the and the, the heroines are are the stronger personality but it's interesting to see how everybody bends um, because both the heroes and the heroine bend. And so they I have one reader who calls them the alpha betas. Um, the super romance, he is very much an alpha because he is a you know, he was a bull rider who was injured in the ring. 
and he um, he does not want the heroine to ride at all because he doesn't want her to get hurt. And so he's very protective and, you know, he thinks he's protecting her. She thinks that he is trying to, you know, keep her out of the arena because, you know, she's a girl, which is true. But, again, their their reasoning is different from, from both angles. And so that's a very good tension because she actually is very good and he eventually has to let go of the fact that she might get hurt because that's what bull riding is. It's not when, it's not if you get hurt, it's when you get hurt. And so, you know, when he, when she does finally get injured in the, on a ride, it's how he deals with it and how he grapples with his own morale, mortality that really lead to the, the big moments at the end that eventually gets us to the happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Now, you said, so your, your males tend to be very strong. Your, what are your heroines like? And and which do you have a preference to writing about your heroes or your heroines? And the reason why I ask that, I you know, I tend to write, I, I think, again, because I write the first person, it's much easier for me to get into women's heads, right? And so I, yeah. I always have kind of a harder time with, with my heroes. I, I really don't have a I, – I was not a typical girl by any stretch of the imagination, it was one of those where it's like, you have to wear a skirt today, and then they have to chase me down and put put one on me. All of my friends when I was growing up, most of my friends were were men, uh, were, you know, guys that I hang around with. So for me, writing a male point of view is not a really difficult task because I've never been a stereotypical female to begin with. In fact, now I do wear skirts professionally, and there's still, I'll see someone from high school, and they're like, I can't believe you're wearing a skirt because that was, that was just the kind of person I was. Um, I do wear skirts now, though. So um, for me, it's it's it really depends on the characters. I really like, especially because desire heroes have to be alpha, wealthy alpha, you know, millionaire heroes. I really do like to play with the heroines and make them a lot different. So my second published book, which was called A Man of Privilege won the RT Desire of the Year, and he was a wealthy, powerful lawyer from a wealthy, powerful Washington, D.C. family. And she was a former prostitute and a recovering meth addict. And people were like, how on earth did you do that? I'm like, I don't know, it just happened. (laughs) So, you know, trying to find those really non-traditional heroines who have, you know, a common core of, you know, belief that she believes she has recovered she believes in herself and she's not going to bend before any man anymore. It's something that's really common in my work. Mm-hmm. Well, your books really sound fascinating. I, I can't wait to check some of them out. Maybe you could talk about where people can find you online. Oh, I am everywhere. Um, <laughs> I'm on Twitter a lot. Uh, Twitter is where I tend to hang out with other authors, so we tend to uh, be goofy and share interesting pictures with each other. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. I don't, uh, I don't accept new friend requests because I do try to keep my personal and public life somewhat separated. But I have a Facebook page that um, I do post all of my, my business news on, all my publishing news on. Um, I am now blogging once a month at the Wild and Wicked Cowboys blog, which uh, – it does tend to be more erotic westerns, but they made an exception for me. <laughs> I think it was the cowboy hat that convinced them. And uh, and otherwise, I have a website at www.sarahannaanderson.com that I try very hard to keep updated, but when you have seven books come out in a year, it's kind of a challenge. <laughs> well, I hope that you put a link to this interview because um, 
it, it, I think we've had a really great interview, and it's 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 actually I, I find it a, a nice way for people to hear your real voice as opposed to your writing voice. So, and also if you could oh, please you. like Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books Facebook fan page, and um, then you can let us know about your releases, and I can um, post that up there. So, um, absolutely. Yes, that would be great. So, Sarah, thanks so much for joining today. Um, it's just been a pleasure chatting with you about. Well, thanks for having your sexy, me. Yeah, your sexy, your sexy cowboys. It's really fun. Um, just want again wanted to remind everyone I have Corinna Lawson, who is going to be I'm going to interview on August 13th. Um, also wanted to remind people that they can stay up to date with the show on my website burnitatwalsh.com and also on the blog talk radio Burnit at Walsh. Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books um, page as well. That will um, give it a listing of all my upcoming books. I have not scheduled the fall yet, but um, I have a lot of people who are on my waiting list, so I think I'll have an interesting remainder of 2014. Also wanted to yeah. remind people about my books. Um, I have Gold Coast Wives, and that's released by a Lyrical Press Kensington, and also my four-book paranormal series, The Devil Legacy, the four books in that series, Devil's Mountain, Devil's Shore, Devil's Daughter, and The Devil and Witch are all out and available, so please check them out. Um, covers and excerpts from all my books are on BernadetteWalsh.com. So thanks so much for joining me. This is Bernadette Walsh of Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>